0: Ah, mon Afrique, réveille-toi, il est midi, tu dors encore, réveille-toi, n'écoute pas Babylone, il t'est fourni les armes pour tuer ton peuple, n'écoute pas Afrique. Africa, Nanga Oya bat-toi, cheveux crepus. Bat-toi, Mayel, bo simba, ni Boya, bilanga, bo ba Congo. simbani ni Boko simba, katé, O Africa, Malobate, Musalande bate, Yangolo Afrika Mui, Africa, Africa. A ton amour solo, Africa Tu gâtes ton nom par-ci par-là Consiguer les and white, wack Negro a souffert, mais c'était mal de connaître Negro a combattu pour arriver en black en blac Devenu le stade de la guerre Le pouvoir est à raison
1: Welcome, welcome to Congo Live, the authentic voice of the Congolese people in America. I'm your host, Patricia Loqua speaking to you from Baltimore. My co-host, Kambale, will be joining us a little bit later today. I know you guys are used to usually having him on the phone, but he definitely will be on the phone with us a little later. And for those of you who's been following us through these months regarding what's happening in the Congo and are interested in finding out a little bit more about what's happening on the ground, we encourage you to read a new article that Kambale has uh, written uh, in the past week on The Guardian, on the Congolese youth movement called And uh, while we're waiting for Kambale to come on the phone, we have the executive director of Friends of the Congo who's joining us on the phone today. Maurice, how are you doing today?
2: I'm good, thanks, Patricia. It's a pleasure to be with you.
1: (laughs) uh, Hopefully the snow didn't impact you that much because, you know, we were closed last week.
2: Uh, No, not at
1: all. You're still hanging in there and fighting for the Congo. Absolutely. <laughs> on today's show we'll focus on looking at the history of Congolese women's resistance from Kimpa Vita to the Women Network of Common Cause UK. We will be joined a little bit later by Marie Claire Ferret, one of the most active and inspiring Congolese women working for change in the Congo. And we would love to have our listeners participate in this conversation by calling us at four one zero. Four eight one one zero. But before we get to our guest and finding out a little bit more about what she does, Maurice, can you please share with us the news?
2: Sure. Uh, I'll start off with today. Actually, uh, the Congo's uh, football team or soccer here in the United States, uh, the Leopards, uh, beat uh, Rwanda two to one today in the uh, quarterfinals of the African Nations Championship, and they will advance to the to the semifinal, which will Take place um, next week. Uh, The Congo has actually uh, won the inaugural African Nations Cup uh, in 2009. And uh, the streets of Kinshasa, Goma, Mukavu, throughout the Congo are um, up and celebrating uh, not only a symbolic uh, victory um, over Rwanda, um, but also has um, political implications considering the history between those two nations. Uh, So, again, the Leopards beat. Uh, We're on the two-to-one today in the quarterfinals of the African Nations uh, Championship. Uh, Moving on a little bit to um, politics, Uh, the DRC government uh, this week shut down two television stations close to Moise Ketumbi in Lubumbashi, Katanga. As uh, many of you listeners may know, um, Ketumbi is the former governor of the Katanga province. and He's a former member of uh, Joseph Kabila's political party. Uh, that had left the party uh, in September of 2015 in protests of uh, Kabila uh, showing signs that he aims to hold on to power uh, against uh, the dictates of the, the Constitution. And Moise uh, Ketumbi is now reputed to be uh, Kabila's uh, biggest challenger uh, for the presidency. So the Congolese government taking um, uh, extraordinary measures to shut down Television stations uh, that are close to uh, to uh, Congo's electoral commission uh, this week announced that it will begin cleaning up its voters' roll on February 10th. Um, sources in the electoral commission say that the cleaning up of the voters' roll will take at least 13 months, and this means that uh, elections uh, would not be able to be held. Uh, um, this year, because their voters' roll will not be um, ready by the end of the end of the year, uh, there are some uh, seven million estimated seven million new voters uh, that are not on the roll. Uh, these are uh, individuals who were under age in the twenty eleven elections and now come of age, uh, but have not included, been included on the voters' roll. So this is something to watch closely as the electoral commission. Uh, goes to work in trying to clean up the voters' role uh, in advance of um, what is supposed to be uh, November presidential legislative elections in um, in the DRC. Uh, another uh, note, uh, Congolese gospel diva, uh, Marie Nisamo, uh passed on January 16th at the age of 41. And uh, she was mourned um, both inside the, the DRC and outside the DRC, and interestingly enough, uh, at uh, public events for her in Kinshasa, uh, the police uh, harassed uh, people who had gathered to, to mourn her, and, and they received uh, the wrath of the people uh, in uh, trying to control crowds uh, that were out to, to mourn uh, Marie. Um, in the mining um, sector, uh, Amnesty International issued a report this week uh, that indicated. That Apple and Samsung and a number of other technology companies uh, who source uh, their cobalt uh, from the Congo are sourcing cobalt uh, that are produced uh, by underage children, child, child, child miners. Um, cobalt, uh, as many of the listeners may know, is a main source uh, for rechargeable batteries. So, the rechargeable batteries are laptops, cell phones. Uh, iPads, iPhones, you name it, um, use cobalt. And uh, Amnesty International um, tracking the um, supply chain of uh, Apple indicates that they may be sourcing cobalt uh, from child miners uh, in the Congo. Um, back a little bit to the political front at the, the continental level, the African Union sent Edem um, Kojo, uh, former statement, to assess uh, the potential of a successful dialogue, a dialogue that Kabila has called uh, in the Congo, and the um, main opposition party, uh, UDP, Senator Pahiti and Shisikedi, laid down uh, requirements um, for their participation, uh, stating that there must be international moderation. And in response to this, uh, the Afghan Union sent uh, Adam Kojo, uh, to make an assessment of the situation. Um, but uh, once in Kinshasa, they discovered uh, that the dialogue is driven, or they driven primarily by, uh, by Kabila, as many opposition parties have boycotted the dialogue that Kabila is trying to organize. And uh, the main opposition party, uh, UDPS, uh, headed by Etienne Kitty, Has gone back and forth on both sides of this dialogue. So uh, we'll see um, what the African Union will have to um, say in the future. Um, Adam Kojo made his assessment and he'll make his report to the African uh, head of the African Union. And then we'll see what kind of involvement they'll have uh, going forward. Congolese police have acquired um, uh, massive equipment this week uh, water cannons. Crowd control equipment. There seems to be a beefing up of the Congolese state. Uh, they've installed uh, cameras in the streets of Kinshasa. Um, many people believe it's in preparation uh, to, for all intents and purposes, go to war against its own people who are uh, also mobilizing for a nonviolent um, stance uh, for the respect of Congo's constitution and uh, the peaceful departure of President Joseph Kabila when his term comes to an end uh, near the end of uh, 2016. And finally, uh, Congolese youth activist Jean-Marie Kolonji uh, remains in prison in the custody of Congo's intelligence uh, agency. He's not been able to, he's not been presented um, to uh, a judge or even put in a a main prison. He's, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, being held by Congo's intelligence service uh, since December 15th of 2015, uh, without any charges or anything being brought against him. So his family and his youth colleagues, other youth activists, are mobilizing uh, for his release. So uh, that's a, a brief overview of the news for, for the past uh, week or so, Patricia. Mm-hmm.
3: Your spirit may fly away And your body may be broken Your lips they may not speak For some things cannot be spoken But time will not forget About the price you had to pay For the greed of men who did not respect the world. Put guns in your enemies' hands How many more must die Before the whole world pays For the telling of the lies The killings and the rape Of the... Dry your eyes and you keep it going Pull yourself up with your own strong hand Strong and ever reaching for the sky that is fly away And your body may be broken Your lips they may not speak For some things cannot be spoken But time will not forget About the price you had to pay For the greed of man The woman Oh, the Congolese woman The woman Oh, the
1: woman That was Congolese Woman by Gabriela Callender, an American singer, songwriter, poet, and musical director of All Women Performance ensemble Mahina Movement. This song is a celebration of strength and hope for the Congolese women rising up amid the challenges they face in their country. We have heard many times when you educate a woman, you educate a nation, but seldom do we hear of women who are educating this nation. This show will look at the history of women's resistance in the Congo and get an outlook of 2016 and what is happening in the Congo today. Our guest Marie-Claire Ferret. A mother of two daughters, she is a postgraduate medical information advisor and research scientist in infectious disease in Bart Hospital and Queen Mary University of London. She is also an active campaigner for peace, human rights and women's participation and representation in decision-making arena. She is a member of the UK section of Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. She is an active member of Executive Committee for Common Cause UK, a platform for Congolese women in the UK and a member of Million Women Rise, a national coalition of women in the UK. Mama Claire, are you on the phone with us today? How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I believe Kambale has also joined us today. So Kambale, are you finally on?
4: I am looking forward to uh, joining the conversation with Marie-Claire.
1: So I'm blessed with the presence of two activists that I've been inspired from to do what I do today. And I've learned so much about you, um, Mama Claire. And I wanted to find out before we get into the work that you do, you know, what, what got you to the point where you felt the need to get involved
5: Oh, first of all, uh, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm
1: really honored <laughs> welcome,
3: to be guest
5: uh, on this show, particularly hearing uh, from Kambale. It's been such a long time. Uh, I'm a Congolese, and you can only get involved when it's about uh, the Congo. Uh, whether it's one person suffering or it's uh, millions of uh, human beings, you have to raise your voice. You have to denounce. Uh, I am very much dedicated to human rights, to human security, um, to peace. So it's a, it's a duty to um, raise our voices, uh, particularly when flagrant injustice is happening in the Congo. And uh, we have to raise our voice, and we have a platform at the international level. So it is a moral duty to raise our voices, to um, not only denounce the injustice that are happening in the Congo, but also to uh, uh, empower, not only to empower because it's such a word uh, that might not have a a meaning, but to work in solidarity with our sisters and our our brothers, our children in the Congo who are resisting, who have been resisting for 400 years uh, the exploitation and uh, the barbaric uh, system of uh, exploitation that uh, is actually... uh, looting and destroying uh, human life in the Congo, which we talk about uh, the exploitation of our natural resources. Uh, so we have to make sure that we work with them so that um, human development can, you know, um, is not stopped in the Congo. So this is one of uh, my uh, inspiration, really.
4: Mama Marie-Claire, you just mentioned uh, something that's always inspiring me about the long history of Congolese... Uh, People's resistance, specifically the women. Uh, for our listeners uh, who may not have a background of um, Congolese people's uh, resistance, can you share a little bit more about some of the highlights of the key resistance movement uh, in the history of the Congo?
5: Oh, Congolese women have always resisted. It's very important for those who are listening and also, particularly, young people. Uh, young congolese women um, to kind of go back and read history we have uh, women who have been uh, overlooked such as kim pavita she was uh, a heroine she was a political activist even though today she has been portrayed as a, a religious leader she was actually a political activist who was uh, campaigning for social justice for change uh, 400 years ago when um, the Portuguese colonial power came into Congo and tried to, um, well, not only try, but enslave Congolese and uh, started to um, really, that was the era where uh, slavery was really at its peak. So Kim Pavita was a, a political activist. She really, she was uh, killed. She was burned at the altar with one of her son, a, a child and uh, because she was actually uh, advocating for equality uh, for um, our dignity as uh, black people as african as congolese at the time so she's really an inspiration to many congolese we had uh, well I, can't, I can go back as uh, 1960s when congolese women were also in, involved in the resistance uh, against the belgian we had a lot of women who lost their lives as well 100 years ago when uh, during the, the the colonial regime, the brutal colonial regime of Leopold II, um, there are a lot of histories, uh, there are books around. I mean, Congolese have to really um, go and find out about their history. And we have uh, in the 80s women such as uh, Mama therese Bakassa who was really involved. Uh, in in raising awareness about the the social injustice and mm-hmm. political injustice in the congo we have a lot of women who have been uh, uh involved in um in in the liberation movement and also in highlighting the injustice that are faced by congolese women because today as you can um, you might know we're talking about rape in the congo of course rape has been used as a tool uh, but uh, in the Congo for, you know, centuries, women have been resisting. Um, they've been resisting in a form where we have to survive. Congolese women have been maintaining the survival of uh, of, Congolese, uh, of Congolese men and women because they are there providing every day, you know, for, for food, care. And uh, it's, it's important for you to know that uh, Congolese women are dying from childbirth there are not enough infrastructure. This is also a form of resistance where humanity is still ongoing in the Congo because women are holding they are the other pillar of our, of our community. So these are all kinds of form of resistance that we have. And right now I can also tell you about the women who have been resisting in Bukavu, in the South Kivu, uh, the women of Mwenga who have been buried yeah. alive for resisting the occupation. Uh, and for resisting uh, exploitation. So there are so many examples of uh, resistance of Congolese <coughs> women, and there's so many martyrs as well. We have uh, martyrs such as uh, Anwarit in Kisangani who resisted as well. She, she was killed. And there are a lot of history there, so I invite a lot of Congolese, particularly the young ones who want change in the Congo, to find out more about the history of our nation. <coughs>
4: You were actually uh, the first person who ever gave me details about Mwenga, and I hope yeah. that we can lift up the story uh, for our listeners. You know, uh, yeah. you mentioned uh, Mwenga and people being buried uh, alive. Uh, what happened in Mwenga in 1999, and how can we connect it to the international community?
5: Well, Mwenga is kind of a forgotten story. Um it's not only Mwenga, it happened in Makobolo. It happened in a lot of places in South Kivu and the North Kivu where women were actually actively involved in uh, resistance movement because there was a local resistance movement by local Congolese who were resisting the occupation of Rwanda. At that time, Congo was almost separated because uh, of uh, the ongoing conflict, the, the conflict that was uh, um, ongoing there. We had the RCD GOMA. Uh, which was led at that time by the Rwandese. and um, they had Congolese in their army um, some Congolese were aligned to them and uh, they were threatening a lot of places in South Kivu notably Mwenga. Mwenga is a good example because we have survivors we have people, we have witnesses who have uh, 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 really uh, testify about the burial of, uh, uh, of women. There were 15 women who were buried in Mwenga and under the the command of a commandant called Casereca, And those women really uh, actually were helping local combatants, such as cooking food or, you know, there are are small rituals, really, that happen because the people, we have a culture, we have our own culture. That should not be denied. And some of this culture, when people don't know about them, they call it like witchcraft or things like that. You know those combatants were were actually um um you know defending their their lands they were defending their children you know and against the the occupation and some of these women were cooking for those combatants they were bringing food to them because some of them were in the in the bush or in the they were in the forest they were hiding so some of the, these women were accused of witchcraft and they were you know um tortured they, they 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 were Stripped naked, made to walk uh, under the sun. You know, it's such a, it's such a brutal, brutal, uh, um, you know, dehumanization of, of 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 people in the South Kivu. And these women, fifteen women, uh, were buried alive. As an example, it was actually an example to uh, almost um, silence the community, uh, subjugate the community uh, into surrender. And uh, it's, the, most of these women uh, were, were actually uh, innocent women because up to today, the, nobody uh, has ever, um, you know, kind of uh, um, demonstrated what crime these women had. And even if they had committed a crime, they were never brought to justice uh, in any institution. And there, there is actually an injustice that was done to them because not only the international community stayed silent, the Congolese government state silence Not of, none of this, uh, none of the the, the perpetrators of those crimes have has ever been brought to justice uh, on the other side they were all amnest they, they, they receive an amnesty. Some of mm. the commandants are now in our in our army and they are still roaming that region, terrorizing those people so you know in two thousand and ten, a lot of Congolese women from the diaspora you know in collaboration with other you know international and uh, organization and and other women from different nationality in africa and in, in europe and america we actually went to moenga to pay uh, tribute to those women to pay tribute to their strengths. we've written about them and we we will never forget about them We've, took, we've taken some letters to the International Criminal Court, to uh, the prosecutor, the current prosecutor, um, Fatou Besunda, to remind her about these women. If the Congo um, cannot bring justice uh, to these women, uh, we will never forget and we will always ask for justice for these women. And actually, it is actually asking justice for the Congo um, um, uh, through... The, the the you know the sacrifice of these women it's actually characterized the, the sacrifice of the, of Congolese women in general and for us asking justice for these women we are asking justice for the Congo and reparation really
1: as I um, hear you talk about the history of the Congo and the role of the women in the Congo Congolese women have never participated in the governance of the country of Congo, since its independence, despite constituting 43% of Congo's population. Mm -hmm. They're only represented at a 10% or less than 10%. Mm -hmm. What, in your opinion, needs to happen for women and people and Congolese in the diaspora, as well as Congolese on the ground, in order for change to happen, and so we can also participate in the decision-making process?
5: Yeah. Well, the Congo has actually um, been governed by men since... the the 60s and and it it was not like that before because you have to go into the history of congo to see how women were involved in the governance of their Mm -hmm. community where they were involved in 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 decision making because before the 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 colony before the, the the if we can say the colonizer came to congo we had our own governance structure and we had our own way of resolving issues, and women were always participating. But since 1960, we've had men, we have, uh, you know, all the era where they always called them the father, the 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 the, 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 the founding fathers, but mm-hmm. there were also founding mothers who were there, but they were just ignored uh, at that time. And it has continued from the era of Mobutu, and we've seen Kabila. And actually, at the moment, we can even say that the participation of women has really gone... Uh, you know, backward, and there's also kind of a marginalization now, you know, we, we talked about the participation, but now is actually Congolese women are completely marginalized, and they are objectified even, you know, for, you know, they are seen only as, you know, mm. a tool for men's pleasure, and, uh, you know, me- women are atrocities, although there are some women in in decision-making right now, but we are not seeing, there are some of them in in governance, in different uh, political parties. But, you know, the impact of the agenda for Congolese women is not uh, uh, being implemented. The Congo has signed a lot of legal frameworks. There are laws, first of all, within our own constitution, there are articles that is asking for you know, equal participation of Congolese as human beings, meaning we have a parity law for women and men in the governance at different levels of the government, not only at the national level, but at the local level as well, at the provincial level and the local level. But this is not implemented. You know, there are a lot of Congolese women there, out there in the Congo, who are capable. They have the expertise, but they've never been given a chance. So when you're not given a chance, I mean, you cannot. Uh, change things because in, the, in Congo right now if you look at the budget of the country mm-hmm. a lot of money goes to militarization there is not enough money that goes into education that goes into the public sector for health care whereas a lot of Congolese women are dying uh, for uh, from childbirth, we have actually more women in Congo dying from child care than, you know, women dying from all the disease such as TB, malaria, oh, wow. you know, HIV combined. This is really a crime because why should Congolese women die from child care? You know, we have no infrastructure to help young women who are menstruating. How can they manage their menstruation? At the, at the age of 12, 13, a lot of Congolese girls are menstruating and they need support. They need adequate support to enable them to cope. And if they can't cope, they can't continue their education. Mm-hmm. There are no structures to help women, and particularly those who are poor, who cannot afford, you know, to manage their menstruation. So, already at that time, it is already a crime from our government not to put budget in place to support those girls to continue their education, because actually, if you look at it, Congolese girls actually are extremely, you know, uh, um, bright, and they are actually achievers. They are high achievers. They achieve even more than boys, but because they don't have the support, sometimes they can't go further in their education, and they are actually death to be married, to serve the men, and actually to become an object of pleasure, whereas we want Congolese women, because their education would impact to our human development as Congolese, because it's good to talk about the development of the Congo, but we have to talk about human development. So when one part of the society is not, is, is actually ostracized, how do you want the Congo to function? So it is extremely imperative for the Congo to respect its legal obligation, not only at the national and local level with regard to our constitution, but also at the international level because the Congo is signatory of many legal frameworks, such mm-hmm. as the Maputo Protocol on the Right of Women in Africa, that actually has a lot of uh, articles that the Congo has to implement, and they have to put a national action plan from the, for the implementation of this uh, uh, this law, And also they need to put the resources in place so that at every level, you know, of, uh, our, uh, the, of the country, not only women are represented and participated, but their needs are met. Absolutely.
3: And we have
5: also an international obligation because the Congo is signatory of the Convention on the Elimination of all forms of violation against women, which is the CEDAW, uh, which came out in, in force. In 1979 at the United Nations level, but in the Congo in 1982, Mobutu already at that time recognized, you know, the need to meet, you know, the need of Congolese women, you know. I mean, without Congolese women, there was no propaganda for the election of uh, Mobutu at the time. And even today, with all the political parties that are in place, they know that women are power to, to, to work with. But they never, never, those women are never, them. their needs are never met. So it is so important for Congolese women to be part of the decision-making uh, process in Congo for
1: change. You know? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that, um, I want to take a quick break because uh, a lot of what you're saying, I really want our listeners to get the information that you have because you have so much knowledge and so much information that not only just me, our listeners will love to hear from you. Let's take a short break and then uh, we'll continue from where we left off. Thank you.
6: Mmh. Le regard d'une femme, toujours significatif, elle annonce les messages à travers son visage, qui cherchera à la comprendre. Que celui qui l'approche, yeah. le regard d'une femme, toujours significatif, et il annonce les messages à travers son visage, qui cherchera la comprendre, De celui qui l'approche, S'agir à la confrère, que celui qui l'approche.
1: Welcome back to Congo Live. That was a woman's look by Congolese singer Monique Tende. Monique explains that a woman's facial expressions is very descriptive of her mood and can be seen as a message to the one who can decrypt it. And welcome back to the show, Mama Marie Claire in Kambale. Glad to have you guys back on. Uh, we were talking about. What is happening in the Congo with the women and the different ways that you've been involved? I would like for you to share with me and our listeners a little bit more about Women International Peace and Freedom and share with us what is it about and what are ways that people can get involved.
5: Uh, the Women International League for Peace and Freedom is a, is a, a hundred years old organization that's actually campaigned for peace and demilitarization all over the world. There are section in uh, all five continents, and uh, um, it's an organization that started in 1915 when there was a war here in Europe, and women were demanding peace because they couldn't see how we will resolve, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the First World War, and they felt it was important for us to have uh, an understanding of each other's culture because we were so different at the time. I mean, people in America, in Europe, all over the place. And uh, it was important for people to look at the root causes of the war. So this is an organization that I joined 10 years ago, um, you know, um, when I really was involved in uh, calling for peace and uh, for the end of uh, war in the Congo, and, you know, we kind of brought the agenda of the Congo at uh, at the table at the Women International League for Peace and Freedom. They have a consultative status at the United Nations, and it was very important for Congolese women's voice to be heard we wanted uh, the, the 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 genuine voices of the Congolese women to be heard at the international level because at that time it was so difficult for Congolese women to be um, to be uh, for their voice to be genuinely heard a lot of women were calling for peace they didn't even want money they didn't want all the humanitarian help that was coming when we went to Congo the women were telling us tell them we want peace Mm-hmm. The war will end the the, the, the the rape will end only when there is peace in the Congo. So this movement has really been instrumental in raising the voices of Congolese women at the international level, enabling, uh, um, you know, grassroots Congolese women to kind of, uh, you know, reach platform because, you know, it's not always accessible for poor Congolese women to reach uh, international platforms. So we were able to raise their voice. It's really helped us to write, uh, you know, to publish, uh, uh, you know, the root, the the, the, the grassroots uh, ideas of how peace can be implemented, and they kind of help us also in, uh, you know, looking at the root causes. Uh, we went into looking at all these multinational that were involved in looting the Congo, how they were, you know. Uh, uh, financing the, the 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 militia you know we looked at what uh, convention on 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 demilitarization where we look at the demobilization so it was really a, a, a an instrumental organization, and we were able also to uh, um, to uh, uh, initiate a section of uh, the Women International League for Peace and Freedom in Congo. And, you know, the diaspora, Congolese women here in the U.K. were instrumental, and we managed to have, uh, we now have a section of wealth in the DRC. They do a lot of work in promoting the United Nations Security Council 1325, which is a resolution adopted by the Security Council of the United Nations in women, peace, and security, where women have to be part of negotiation and rebuilding, negotiation for peace and rebuilding of their nation. So uh, WILF actually um, was very critical in 2000 when that uh, resolution was adopted. Mm-hmm. So it's, very, it's, a, it's an old organization, but it's really work on, um, you know, strategically on the root causes of the conflict and promotion of peace and demilitarization all over the world. When so you... Women can go on, on, on online and mm-hmm. check WILF and check different sections. There is a section in the Congo um, that is run by uh, Anima tundu, um, and uh, we do a lot of we've done a lot of work over the years, and she's
1: continued to do the work in the Congo. The question that I have for you is that you and you're talking about the international involvement with the largest United Nations mission and presence in the Congo. Have they been able to enforce peace and protect innocent lives, and in particular, do the people and the civilians trust their presence in the Congo and has it been effective
5: um i have i have uh, answer to this question on several occasions. I mm-hmm. never really know how to kind of deal because the United Nations uh, mission in the Congo was uh, actually a mission that has never been understood by Congolese themselves because mm-hmm. when Congolese welcomed the United Nations, they thought it was a mission to enforce peace, you know, they mm-hmm. needed that. Mm-hmm. And it was never clear, the mandate has never been clear. They were actually there to observe and just maintain the peace. They didn't have a mandate at, at, in the beginning to enforce peace and it, this was really not, uh, you know, what the Congolese population at large thought and they wanted the war to end, therefore the, the mission was there to end the war, you know, and it took years. And actually it is a mission that is seen as as an occupation mission. It is a mission that is seen as facilitating those who are actually looting the Congo because at the moment, I think it's time for the mission to leave. The Congolese people have to manage their own you know, political affair, they have to learn to negotiate and to dialogue. We don't always need the United Nations mission to be there to tell us what to do and how to do it. And, you know, no, I think the Congo right now needs now to, uh, you know, to be accountable to themselves, the leader particularly, those who want to lead the Congo. Absolutely. to be able to do it, to be more sovereign and do it because we will never learn. Otherwise, they will never learn. There will always be conflict, but we need to uh, to resolve our conflict by dialoguing and by finding a common ground to move forward, you know. I think it's time for the United Nations mission to leave, to go, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Congolese have done a lot of inter-Congolese dialogue. We've had the Sun City, we've had the consultation. Actually, Congolese have been dialoguing, you know, for years. We've been dialoguing (laughs) in the 80s, in the 90s, when we had the the Conference Souveraine Nationale. There were a lot of resolutions that came out of it. Recently, there were some consultations. What are they doing about those uh, recommendations? They now need to implement those recommendations so that we can move forward in a constructive manner you know, instead of us coming back all the time um, and, uh, you know, redoing what has already been done and wasting a lot of time and money, which can be, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, invested elsewhere in creating jobs and creating, you know, because that is really needed, creating jobs, creating enterprise, so that, you know, Congo can now start, you know... Uh, Developing even more that he's doing at the moment, you know.
1: One of the things that I think about as you're talking about, like I hear all these solutions, the pieces are there, and then you have a government who kind of who runs the country like a mafia. How do we hold? A government such as Kabila's government accountable for some of the things that they should be doing for the people, whether it be in education, whether it be in health. They haven't done it. You've mentioned that there's been dialogue going on. So to what degree do the Congolese take some sense of responsibility and saying, you know what, the government is no longer doing something about this. What do we as Congolese need to do in order to make sure that the government does their job?
5: Well, first of all, I think it's very important for Congolese to know what is our duty as citizens, mm-hmm. what are our responsibilities, and also what the government is accountable for. That is the first step, because is there any social contract between our population and their leaders? And uh, There's a say uh, in Africa and elsewhere that say, actually, population reflect their leader, okay?
1: Mm-hmm. If
5: we have population who are actually accountable and they know what is my duty as a citizen, what is my Mm -hmm. duty within this community himself, they will request accountability for those leader. But when we have population, because in Congo right now, we need human development. A lot of people are talking about just development of structure, development of the country has to develop. No, we first of all need human development, because Mm -hmm. the Congo has been dehumanized for so many centuries. We need to get back to basic to understand what is it that what is a human being, what is my responsibility within a community, you know, what is my responsibility within my family, within my children, and you know, once you have this structure that are not there, and you know, we we need our constructive values that we had, you know, that our ancestors had, to respect our land, to respect each other, once this is broken, you know, we can't move forward. We cannot develop our land. And I think some of our oppressor knows exactly in which situation they're putting us. We are in a de- dehumanized situation that doesn't help us to develop our
1: nation. And so sometimes it seems in, that they count the on that. Sorry? It sometimes seems that they count on that.
5: Oh, of course. I mean, they're using that. Also. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. So we as Congolese, we first of all need to know what is our responsibility toward the Congo? What is our duty? It's good to look at the government, but mm-hmm. what are we doing as a population? What are we asking for? What are the values that we are carrying forward so that we can have... A, a constructive congo that mm-hmm. is competing mm-hmm. at the international level because at the moment you know it's about competition for survival you know so we so, need to do that as well and ask for accountability form for our governor mm-hmm. our government you know people who want to lead the congo they will come from the population and they can lead if they are themselves accountable that community, and Mama, accountable to your community. How can you be accountable to a nation?
1: Absolutely. If we can take a short break, because I know you're very passionate, I can hear it in your voice, and I just want to find out more. But we definitely do have to take a break and remind our listeners who want to participate to call at 410
0: 481 1010, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Bacanana, ma verre mabunda, au kende, kosa, la soukoko zonga, koken nyon Olo bakana aninana, au kende, koboto, kozonga okende de nyon waya. Le 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 lele, Le le, le 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 man maga djigi neneya twani kenda o o waya olo back down and jump in kena bulungo kozonga o, o kwendeni so eh, waya Allô ma can we François et ma mère OK une mec in face au kozonga oh koké nényo so lé 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 élemé mulwa di abalou di lé waya lé 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 lé
1: and welcome back to Congo Live. That was Manu by Congolese artist Chico Mawatu. Manu means Mother Earth in Kimpala, a Congolese language. This song is an homage to Congolese women who have been bearing the brunt. The brunt of War in the Congo. And welcome back, Mama Marie-Claire and Kambali. We're back on the show and we're talking about the role of the government when it comes to what is happening in the country. And currently in the DRC, there seems to be an absence of political ideology first. Do you agree with this? And if so, why and if not, why not?
5: Uh, is that a question for me? Yes, My it is. Head? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're the guest. Mm, When you say political ideology, um, Mm -hmm. what do you mean? Because, you know, there is different policies and different, you know, political, you know, um, ideas, really. I think it's not about uh, lacking of political ideologies as such. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, where are we taking the country? What is the vision? The vision of a, a constructive Congo for all of us where we can all have... Um, um, You know, we can all benefit. And so at the moment, I think what is lacking really in the Congo is that constructive vision where we can all, you know, be part of of a Congo that is progressing. You know within the, the 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 central you know the great lake region of africa and in the world and at the moment i think there's a lot of individual you know um you know needs. people are trying to kind of meet the individual needs uh, the political party that is in power at the moment needs to make sure that they respect the constitution and it's, it is it will benefit the whole nation if they want to stay in power they, they have to respect our constitution. They need to choose uh, uh, a new leader that will take their political party forward and enable other political parties also to participate in an equal way for the benefit of all. This is what I think it's, it's lacking at the moment.
4: Mm. So, um, Marie-Claire, you know, there is that article that I usually reference. Uh, mm. I think it was a statement you published in 2010, only Congolese will initiate peace and stability in the Congo. I think I'm right on that article. Um, I believe in the same thing, and I think along the line of that question is more so of what I'm witnessing, right? So I'm witnessing that at this time, there seems to be lack, and this is an opinion for me, there seems to be lack of political education to the Congolese youth in understanding the geopolitics, uh, of the region and around the world. For example, uh, there are some youth uh, on the ground who are being funded by the United States government, who are taking money directly from uh, uh, USAID and mm-hmm. do not understand the implications of that. Mm-hmm. So for the younger generation, especially young Congolese who are going to get engaged in this um, fight,
3: mm-hmm.
4: what are the best ways... To get a political education, one for young Congolese to know it's really up to them to determine the affairs of the Congo and fight for change, and understand uh, the challenge of Western influence in our politics historically and how it can be negative for the future of the Congo.
5: Uh, first of all, let me just uh, say that um, the Congo, things will change in the Congo when Congolese actually take control in a sense where when you get involved, it's not because you are funded by an international organization or you're getting money to uh, undertake your work, then, you know, you are actually bound to the to the agenda of that organization that's funding you. Um, in my opinion, actually, what is the USID funding Congolese uh, young people to kind of uh, be active? Because who's benefiting from that you know congolese have to be active regardless of whether they are being funded or not because it is about their survival it is about their development you know when you have to be to to um, to undertake your work you have to do it being motivated and be passionate about it because you want change in your own life and seeing that change around you and um, i think Congolese are rewriting their history, and they will rewrite it as uh, stated by uh, Patrice Lumumba. You know, they have to sacrifice. Change in Congo will not come uh, without hard work, without sacrifice. We will have to sacrifice. And this doesn't have... It doesn't. There is no price to, to the sacrifice of Congolese for change. I'm very interested about what is going on in Congo with the young people. They need to know their responsibility, who they are accounted for. They should not be accounted to the USID because, in one hand, the USID, the United States, um, um, aids to Africa or to wherever it's uh, you know they bring aids, so-called aid, But on the other hand, they are also still you know, supporting oppressive regime in the Great Lake region of Africa, to supporting Kagame and, and Museveni, how in one hand they will support the Congolese leadership coming from the, this youth and their political education, and on the other hand, they are supporting their oppressor. So you know, they have their own agenda, which is not the agenda for Congolese. Congolese, there are leaders in the Congo, there are young leaders, I've met them in the Congo. There are young Congolese who actually have been active for years and they are there. They've never, some of them have never been supported. Some of them have died. You know, they are there. They can, they can lead those movements. Of course, they will be sacrificed. Are they ready? That, that's the, the the question, you know. Nothing will come to change without sacrifices. I'm looking forward to change. I mean, change is coming, it's coming, it's there, it's coming. You know, I'm looking forward. I'm pleased that there are young people who are involved, but they need to know who they are accountable to um, when they're doing their work and what actually are they looking for, uh, what sort of change they're looking for. Are they able, they know there will be sacrifices. Are they able to go forward uh, with, uh, you know, the vision that they have, regardless of those sacrifices, you know, because there will be death, of course, nothing comes, you know, without, uh, you know, we can look at the example of India, you can look at the example of other countries where there's a lot of leaders who have sacrifices themselves for change, you have to find out who you are accountable to, and what are your duty. Um, And we can't just change. We can't just go for a revolution and change without thinking there will be sacrifices. And what are we looking for? Uh, You know, something constructive. How are we going to go about it in a constructive manner? That's how I'm looking. And, you know, I hope there will be more young people coming in for change in the country, for a change that will result in a collective, you know, uh, um, you know uh, human development not just you know one change for one young person not change for everybody and Absolutely. how this will impact uh, uh, for future generation
0: in Congo
1: and as we come to the end of our show we have about one minute left um, I my last question for you is if you can round it up in one minute as you work with the mothers of Congo and you see the fight that they're doing every single day to change the Congo. What is their message for us in the diaspora and the younger generation? What do they want us to know and what do they want us to do? If you can round that up in a minute.
5: For Congolese women, a message to young Congolese women Mm -hmm. and young Congolese uh, boys is actually, you know, get yourself in a place where it will enable you. Get yourself, get education. Get yourself in a place that will enable you to have constructive values, You know, we we need constructive values that will enable us to move forward. You know, so Mm -hmm. that's that's, that's the key message for Congolese uh, women to Congolese generation.
1: And thank you so much for being on the show and giving us such insightful information. I look forward to reading more things on what you're doing and to follow you in your journey and making change in the Congo. And thank you to Tabilulu Productions for putting together a great show. And Kambali, it's always an honor to have you uh, sitting next to me or on the show with me as we do the show. And uh, we look forward to having our listeners with us um, next week. Thank you, guys.
4: Thank you very much. And
6: you have a great weekend. Yeah, thank you, everyone.
0: Bye. Bye.